Hey everybody, Bob Olson here. Thank you for listening. Today's going to be a special episode because today, May 3rd, 2017, is the day that my book, The Magic Mala, is available. This is the book that I talked about a few episodes ago where Melissa, exactly a year ago today on May 3rd, gave me a new keyboard for my birthday. Today's my birthday. Another good reason to celebrate this new book. But I had this new keyboard that Melissa had given me last year and just wanted to play with the keyboard. So I started to write something and out poured this novel. I had not planned on it. There's no way I ever could have expected it. I never would have written it in this way. It just came out of me and I just kept writing. And it actually took me 28 days to write this book and took me the rest of the year for editing it and getting it ready for publishing. But I want you to know that uh, the book is available today, right now on Amazon, both paperback and Kindle, on Barnes and Noble, both paperback and Nook. Uh, it's on iTunes iBooks and it's also on Kobo. And all those links are on my new website, which is bobolson.com. When you go there, you'll see that all the links to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iBooks, and Kobo are, exist there. Now, there will be an audiobook that's coming shortly, probably in the month of May. It just wasn't ready. Something happened. I do believe it'll be avail available to you soon. So today's episode is kind of special because uh, I have a friend of mine who I think many of you will know. Her name is Cheryl Richardson. Cheryl and I and Melissa and, and Cheryl's husband have been friends, well, for well over a decade. And uh, we get together often. And Cheryl happened to be over the house this weekend. And we were talking about The Magic Mala, my new book. And I, I thought, hey, why don't we take this conversation downstairs into the studio and we'll just record it. And then the audience can sort of be a fly on the wall listening to this conversation. And I think it really uh, turned out great. I think there's a lot of interesting and educational information that you're going to love. Now, I just want to give Cheryl a little bit of a introduction here because when we came downstairs, you know, I just introduced her by name. But for those of you who don't know her, she is a New York Times bestselling author of several books, uh, Take Time for Your Life. Life Makeovers, Stand Up for Your Life, The Unmistakable Touch of Grace, The Art of Extreme Self-Care, and her book uh, with Louise Hay called You Can Create an Exceptional Life. You can find out more about her at CherylRichardson.com. So I'm going to get started with the conversation. Here we go. Thanks again for listening. Hey, everybody. Bob Olson here. I'm sitting with my friend Cheryl Richardson. She is over to have dinner with Melissa and I. And we were just having a great conversation about my new book, The Magic Mala. And I thought, hey, uh, Cheryl, what do you say we just go downstairs and record this conversation as we're having it? So welcome, Cheryl. Thanks for, for joining me. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. Thanks, Bob. What, what, what the listeners don't know is just before we started recording, Bob got all the equipment set up and everything. And I was sitting here and I was waiting and he said, okay, let's get started. And he hit start and he goes, hey, this is Bob. And he scared me and I jumped out of my chair. And we ended up laughing so hard that we had to do the recording over again. I have a, uh, usually when I start off, I kind of start off loud and, you know, my voice is kind of loud anyway. So sorry I scared the heck out of you. 
But here we are. And, yeah. you know, the, the book, by the time everybody hears this, the book is going to be available and everybody can read it. And I'm so excited to share it with everyone. Mm-hmm. You were one of the very first people to read it and you helped me with much of the editing. And I'm grateful for you for that. And, and you're such a big part of it that I'm glad you can join me in this conversation. Well, I'm so happy to be having the conversation with you. And I remember when I first, I read the first draft, like way in the beginning. And, and I remember you talking about how, um, well, I, I remember suddenly you were working on a project. I didn't know what the project was, but you were sort of sequestered for a couple of months, you know, we'd see each other every now and then, but there was like this project and, you know, being a writer myself, I respected the fact that, okay, don't, you know, hold the energy, don't disperse the energy by talking about it until you're ready. And then all of a sudden you've got this novel and you're like, hey, you want to read this novel that I've written? <laughs> called, it's so true. It's called The Magic Mala. And, um, and I thought, okay, well, that's sort of like saying, hi, while you were gone, I had a baby. Would you like to meet, to meet my baby? <laughs> exactly. Well, that, that was the thing, you know, uh, I had talked about this early in, in one of uh, the Afterlife TV episodes that I did. So some of my audience knows this, but I had been gone, gone away for a while. Like I hadn't done a show in a while. And I explained how this happened. I was not intending to write a book. You know, it, it, it just sort of came very unexpectedly. And it was just... It was kind of like that, you know, with the baby metaphor, because I just was writing just to play around. And the next thing I knew, there was a book sort of pouring through me. And I'll pop this. The interesting thing is, I don't really even take that much credit for writing it. It feels as though it was inspired writing. You know, a good friend of mine who's a channel by profession, you know, said it's not really channeling. I think a lot of us mix that that phrase up, but it was inspired and it came through us. And it's not as though I'm repeating something that's being told to me because mm-hmm. uh, he does channel writing and that's the way he writes books. He writes a book in two weeks, you know. Jeez. But for me, uh, it, it took uh, only about a month, which is crazy for me to, yeah. to do that. Of course, it took, takes a lot longer editing, as you know. Yeah. And, and, and anybody who's out there who's an author does that. But this book just came unexpectedly, poured through me. I didn't like plan it and outline it and all that. And yet I still think something something magical came out of me. Yeah. I mean, when I read the book, so the so you should tell people a little bit about what the story is about. I mean, I can do that, but I'd be curious to hear no, what you No, no, please go ahead. Well, it's, so it's a story about, um, uh, I was going to say a young man, because everybody to me these days seems young, but a young <laughs> man and, and his wife who... Um, who I think represent a lot of people who are struggling to make ends meet and are just living their lives and trying to improve their lives. You know, he's Robbie, who's the main character, is very responsible, and he's trying to make a better life for him for him and his wife. And and he sort of gets, what do they say, falls down on his luck or gets down on his luck. You yeah. know, things kind of go to hell in a handbasket for him, and he's a bit fed up and questioning life and, you know, looking, looking for something to blame or someone to blame, or just feeling frustrated with how things aren't working and stumbles upon, well, I don't want to give too much away, but he stumbles, let's just say he stumbles upon this uh, mala beads, this set of mala beads, these prayer beads, you know, the 108 beads. And it sort of takes him on this journey where he learns through the practice of these beads, where they came from, you know, who owned them, and who was using them before him, how to use them, and how to, and it really opens the door to understanding the power of 
intention, as Wayne Dyer would say, right, in one of his books, The Power of Intention, and uh, how to, in a very practical way, begin to change the course. He changes the course of his life through the power of prayer and using these mala beads. And not only that, but it influences so many people in his lives. It reminded me a little bit when I, I remember when I first read it, it reminded me of how I felt when I read um, Dan Millman's book. Oh, the, Way of the Peaceful the Way Warrior. Of the Peaceful Warrior. Yeah. yeah. Where it was this beautiful, you know, one of the things I love about your writing, Bob, I've always said this to you for years, is you always remind me, I always think about, I'm going to date myself for some of the listeners, but the um, the, re- the old Reader's Digest stories, like they would always have real life drama and they would have these different teaching stories is how I saw them. And your writing is like that. It's this beautiful, simple teaching stories that you write. And so when I was reading this book, I thought, wow, it reminds me of the way of the peaceful warrior in that you just didn't know what was going to happen next, but you were taking this journey with the lead character, the main character, and every single chapter, he got clearer and clearer about who he was, what he really wanted, what really mattered, and how to go about making that happen in his life. So I read the book. The thing I loved about it is, you know, I've been in this field a long time, and I've, I have plenty of sets of malas at home, and I'm a big believer in prayer and intention. You know, I've written books about that. And, and as I was reading the book, I'm like, damn, I have to get my malas out. Damn, I haven't been, I haven't been using them the way that Robbie uses them in the book, and I used to do that all the time. Like, it's so easy. We can know what we need to do, then we fall out of practice. Yeah. And so sure enough, I started, and I actually had a couple of sets of malas made for me, inspired by reading the book, wow. and started using, uh, started reusing. As a matter of fact, let me just say that I just recently had a retreat. You know, I do retreats twice a year, and women come from all over the country and different parts of the world, too, to fly in for the retreat. And um, I made a decision inspired by the book to use the mala, and for a month before the retreat, every single morning, it was a 108-bead mala, every morning and every night. So when I woke up in the morning, before I got out of bed, and at night before I fell asleep, I would go through the mala just affirming, you know, I'm deeply grateful for a successful retreat filled with wonderful women where we have life-changing experiences. And like I literally just said that 108 times every morning and every night. And I have to say, out of pretty much every retreat I've held, and they've all been great and magical, this is probably the most fulfilling, powerful retreat I've ever had. Wow. And I know it's directly related to the way I used this mala to direct the energy of my intention for this event. And everybody said at the end of the event, they were like, my God, this is this has been life-changing for me. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's been life-changing for me too. And I love the thing. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is what's exciting to me about this story. And, and again, I, I say that, you know, my ego, you know, wants to say, I say that because I don't really feel as though I wrote the book. I know I did, but, and, and a lot of my story is in that story. But I, I say it because I've seen, um, you know, the handful, a couple handfuls of people that I've shared the book with, similar stories like that happening. We're now calling them magic mala moments, you know, because oh, that's great. I love that. people are having these uh, amazing, uh, I mean, just extraordinary results after reading them. And they're also very different. You know, I had one guy who tried to get into a talent agency uh, two, two years ago. He read this book. He got himself some mala beads. And 45 minutes after he did 
his mala bead practice, what I call a mala bead practice. He went through the 108 beads with uh, uh, um, an intention that he had set and was just repeating this mantra over and over for every bead. 45 minutes later, this talent agency that had turned him down two years prior called out of the blue <laughs> to ask if he wanted to be represented by them. That was just, you know, one example of many. I had a, my 13-year-old nephew who I asked to read it because I wasn't sure if someone his age could understand it, and I wanted to find out. Well, he, even he at his age, loved the book and, and grabbed his mother's mala beads, which I had given to her a few years prior. And he was going to this, this summer camp. And there was two kid, 200 kids going there, and he had been the year before, and he only knew one kid that was coming from the year before. And uh, he wanted that kid to be his roommate, but the roommates were chosen randomly. Yeah. So he used his model beads in the same way that you just ex described. And when he showed up there, his roommate was that one kid that uh -huh. he wanted. Mm -hmm. And it's these kinds of what we call magic mala moments now that are occurring, occurring, and the reason I think it happens is, and, and if you got nothing more out of the book than this, and I think there's a lot more there, but it, that we're constantly communicating with a creative intelligence that right. exists out there. Call it your higher power, your spirit guides, the universe, God. Doesn't matter what we label it. The fact is, I believe that we're always communicating with that that power, and so. What happens for many of us, and I happen to be one of those people, very naturally to me, at least, you know, before I ever found my first set of mala beads, was, you know, I would complain about my life. I would worry about things and I would talk to Melissa or my friends about those things I was worried about. And I was constantly communicating about the negativity in my life. And never did I take the time to express my gratitude about the blessings in my life. Never did I take the time to talk about what I was excited about for the future. I was always really in the moment thinking about what I was worried about or complaining about. And the mala beads taught me to do the opposite, to take something that I either wanted to happen or that I was grateful that it already happened and think about that. Just for 10 minutes, how long does it take you to go through 108 beads? 10 or 15 minutes yeah. at the most. And I think that's what it does. It serves as a tool, if nothing more, it serves as a tool for us to then express to our higher power, God, the universe, what it is that we want in a very positive way with great expectations that it will happen or what it is that we're, we're grateful for that has already taken place and is in our life. And that is what I think is so magical about this practice of doing that. Well, and I remember you say, telling me, I don't even know how long ago it was, but when you told me about how you would take a walk every day and you'd take the mala, like how long ago did you start doing that? In 2005, I got my first mala beads. No kidding. And wow. twice a day, I would take a walk with my dog Libby. I would take my mala beads with me. And because we were either out in the woods or we were on this road that was a dead end road and, you know, really there was nobody else around mm -hmm. and I could very easily and without feeling self-conscious mm -hmm. carry my beads and go from one bead to the next about whatever it is that I wanted to, to use as uh, my intention and, and use it as my mantra. Well, I came up with this 
this one particular practice. And mine was, I would just say for every bead, I would say, thank you for the blessings. And I would think of a blessing in my life. And that allowed me to think of 108 blessings. Every time I took a walk with Libby, 108 blessings in my life. It didn't matter how big or how small they were. And for me to be able to do that and express to the universe, this is what I love in my life and I'm so grateful for it. It changed my life. This was 2005. It just changed my life. Well, yeah, I remember you telling me that story. And I remember thinking how, first of all, I remember thinking how funny it is that, you know, we can have people that we're so close to because we're pretty close. I mean, we've been friends a long time and we can have people that we're really close to and they can have these these practices like, you know, that we just don't even know about. I can think about my dad, you know, my, I lost my dad a few months ago. And one of the things he told me before he died, and I'm so glad he told me this, he was having a hard time sleeping. And I was saying to him, well, dad, you know, you could do a gratitude practice. And um, he said, oh, well, no, what I do when I'm having a hard time sleeping is I start praying for all of my family members. He said, and my dad was an accountant, right? So he's, you know, he says, I start playing, praying for you and you know, your sisters and brothers and mom, and then all of your spouses. And then I go to all of the grandchildren and all wow. of, he, and he's like, and then I've, I go through all of my clients, my former clients, their families. So he starts to go through this list and he says to me, and at the end, uh, he said, by the time I've done, I'm, I've prayed for 112 people, he told me. Wow. And I said, no kidding, dad, I had no idea. And he said, no, that had been his ritual for 10 years. And <laughs> I thought of you when he told me that. I thought, this is like Bob's Mala practice. And of course, then I started doing that. I mean, I've been doing gratitude lists on Twitter and on Instagram now yeah. for a couple of years. Every single night, I just list five things. And part of the reason I do that is because then I, and I invite other people to do it too. And suddenly I start seeing other people's lists, mm. which is awesome because then you realize, oh my God, I'm grateful for that too. Or yeah, I didn't even think of that. And so when you told me that, I started using my malas and I loved, you know, thank you for the blessing of whatever it is, yeah. right? Yeah. And I love doing that. And, you know, I don't even think you and I do it because we are trying to, it's it's not an end to a mean, it means no. to an end, like, you know, then I want more. It's just, you just realize that when you start to fill your heart and your life and your head with the things you're grateful for, just like you said, you're maintaining the right energetic state. I remember Louise Hay saying to me, you know, Cheryl, people who complain just keep getting more to complain about. Yeah. And it's because their complaints chronically are putting out this energy of whatever it is they're unhappy about, and then they just draw more of it to them. I mean, the other thing, if we could bring a little science into this, when I think about mm. the magic mala is all of us. I mean, if we go back and look at people like Bruce Lipton or Joe Dispenza, who talk about how so much of the choices and decisions we make in present day life are based on subconscious material installed in the brain between conception and the age of five or six, which is kind of scary when you think about it, right? Right. So this practice of gratitude, this practice of using the mala to reinforce an intention that you have for yourself or your loved ones, what it's doing is it's actually creating new neural pathways in the brain. Like we now know that this mm. is not woo woo. It's not new age. Right. There are neural pathways in the brain, well grooved tracks that we all have and that we are all, we all fall victim to mm. because of worrying and complaining and blaming, which is a, just a practice that so many of us get into myself included. I catch myself all the time. And what I found is as, um, as the book reminded me to start using the mala, 
I know that not only am I creating, and science knows this, not only am I creating new neural pathways that are more supportive, but as these new pathways get built, the old pathways weaken and eventually the connections sever. I mean, they just dissipate and these new grooves are formed. And this is, I mean, that was one of the things that inspired me so much as I was reading the story and I was watching Robbie's life suddenly start to very slowly transform and then his wife and his dad and, and the different people that come in and out of his life, what happens is everybody either gets on board or supports him in getting on board. You realize he's not the same person by the end of the book. Right. He's completely rewired his brain. And therefore this creative muscle that dances with the universe. And as a result, just creates this physical reality from this new framework that he's created in his brain. And it reminds me of, um, of Tony Robbins, uh, first couple of books that came out. I don't know how long ago, cause it, it, it must've been in the eighties that, yeah, it was. uh, those came out. Cause Melissa gave me, I think awaken the giant within for as a, as a wedding. Yeah, so there gift. was unlimited power was before awaken the giant within, I think. And okay. that was, that was a very powerful book. Yeah. And, so, but he was talking about the same thing yeah, and these neural pathways. The other aspect of it that I love, uh, which is in addition to that, and really kind of what you're saying, but also maybe a third thing that I won't get into, but is the quantum physics aspect of all this, yeah. which is really where science is just proving all this. So what you said early on, which is this is not a manipulative technique. This isn't a technique that you express your gratitude or even feel gratitude toward anything as a manipulation to make something happen. Right. It's not the idea. The idea of it is really changing. We all vibrate at a certain frequency and we want to keep our energy up. And one of the best ways to keep our energy up is to think of those things that we feel grateful for. And by doing that, we now become a magnet for things that match that frequency. It's really that simple is what it comes down to, but it's not a manipulation. You can't do it. If you're trying to do it as a manipulation, it lowers your energy. But when you're really just thinking about those things that you're grateful for in your life, you feel love is really what you feel. Well, yeah. And can I say that um, you're making a really important point, which is the powerful force force of creation comes from st- our strong emotional state. So every night when I do a grat- gratitude list, I can have a crappy day or like not a good afternoon. But when I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking about, really thinking about what am I grateful for today? I feel the gratitude. I feel the shift in my energy. I And, and when I'm affirming, like I'm telling you, by, when I was affirming about the retreat that I did, by the time I got to the last week before the retreat, I felt such love. Every time I touched a bead and I said, you know, I am deeply grateful for a fulfilling, you know, a successful retreat filled with wonderful women where we all have life-changing experiences, I felt like I already knew the women who were coming. Yep. I was already in relationship with them. I loved them and mm. cared for them. And I couldn't wait for us to all hang out together. And as a matter of fact, it was the first time ever that I started the retreat by saying to this group of women who I'd never met before, I said to them, you know, here's what I want for you this weekend. I want you to feel loved. I want you to feel seen. I want you to feel heard. I want you to know that you matter. And I want you to know that I'm here to serve in any way I can to help take away the pain and the suffering that's going on so that you feel better, so that you can create a better life. And I know, I know I created a, a different kind of neural network around 
my preparation for this event because I did feel the love you're talking about. Anytime we feel strong emotions, Tony Robbins has talked about this forever, right? right yeah. You create a powerful emotional state and you start locking in that those grooves get well, you know, routed out because of these strong, powerful emotions we feel. Unfortunately, most of us feel really pissed off or really frustrated or really angry or upset with ourselves, upset with other people. And that we have so much um, depleted you know, shame, yeah. like whatever. We, we're so used to feeling a lot of strong negative emotions mm. that, um, that those are the pathways we keep giving power to. So one of the, one of the things that the internet has really helped me to do is prove to myself that this works. And I'll I love it. I love it. Yeah. Go right. Ahead. So I'll give you an example. So, um, I'll give you two examples. The simple one is, I think this was the first time it ever happened. I was talking about something with Melissa and it was about, I used to write about depression and it, and, and it was about talking about depression and I hadn't written anything or talked about anything in relation to that for a long time. And Melissa and I had this very deep, meaningful conversation about it. And sure enough, the next day I had emails come in from people who were suddenly had questions for me about depression because I used to write about it years prior. Uh -huh. That was my first clue. The second clue was more on a negative side. I had something on one an old website. I don't have it anymore, but I had something on an old website that I happened to catch and I recognized the wording of it could, had been mistaken. Someone could misread what I said in a negative way. And I was thinking about um, changing it, and, but I couldn't do it right then. And in fact, I ended up, Melissa and I ended up at your house, and we had some other friends there. And it was you and, and somebody else and Melissa. I just remember there was three of you, and there was me talking about this thing that I was worried people were going to misread. Yeah. I'm kind of remember we were in the dining room table. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And nobody had ever, this had been up for years. This website, this copy had been up for years. Nobody ever sent an email about it, said anything about it. But all of a sudden, this day, I got locked onto it. I got worried about it. Worried. And we had a very intense conversation about it, right? And you three were telling me there's nothing to worry about. That's you were right. arguing why I shouldn't have to worry why about you this. Needed to let go of the I story. was doing the opposite. I was sitting there making an argument about why I needed to worry about this. And the very next one, this was a Saturday night, then Sunday morning, I had an email from a woman who had read it, misunderstood it, and was actually angry with me mm -hmm. because of her misunderstanding yeah. in, in error. But talk about that's not hugely powerful yeah. in my face right yeah. there. I remember, you know, so you and I are huge fans of Richard Bach. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Livingston Siegel and all of his other great books that I love. And, you know, I understand actually he's a fan of you because I follow him on his blog. And when your book um, Answers About the Afterlife came out, yeah, um, he wrote something in his blog about that. Very sweet. Very and sweet. I thought, I thought, I'm kind of jealous because I really love <laughs> Richard Bach. Richard Bach. <laughs> like, I'm so, you know, because I've just, I've, I, I'm kidding. I love you. And I was so happy. No, I know. I'm, I know. Well, I'm not kidding. Like there was a part of me that was jealous, <laughs> but mostly I was just so happy for you. Um, and, but anyway, I, I love his, I, I've, I've loved his work for many, many years. And um, in one of my books, I think it was Stand Up For Your Life, I talked about this little exercise that he gave an audience during a workshop. I had listened to an audio of one of his workshops where he said, look, if you think this whole thing about you create your reality is BS, 
I'm, he didn't. I'm paraphrasing. I'm yeah, not, right. Yeah. I, he didn't literally say this, but <laughs> but this is my interpretation of it was, if you think this whole thing about creating your reality is BS, then just try this. Pick an image. Allow some image to come to mind. Anything at all could be random. And when I heard this, I, I imagined a big, pl- plump red tomato. Yeah. I was listening to the audio in my car. So I thought, you know, I, I just saw this tomato. And he said, just see the image in your mind and let it go. And every now and then during the day, just think about the image and just see it in your mind, but don't work too hard. Don't, you know, don't visualize the tomato like intensely, but just yeah. then let it go and start to notice how long it takes for that image to show up in your life. Yeah. So I'm driving in the car. I'm imagining a big, plump, red, juicy tomato, random image. And about 45 minutes into my drive, I was on the highway and this giant truck pulls up next to me with a big plump red tomato on the side. And I thought, okay, that was about 45 minutes. Yeah. And I used to give that exercise to people. And it's, um, it, so it's exactly what we're talking about. And, and for him, you know, in that exercise, there's not a lot of emotional attachment to it. I remember that day that you were at the house. You were very, because I was, I remember I got so plugged in. I was trying to convince you not to worry. And yeah. the harder I fought, the harder you fought back. And then I remember you calling the next day and saying, you're not going to believe what happened. I got this email. And the email, email has done this for me over the years. I mean, I mean, this, those are just two examples. That was an extreme example, but it helped to prove me, it helped to train me about what I focus upon expands. And that's what the magic model is all about in a way, you know, again, at its very essence, what we focus upon expands. And I, now, when I when I get focused, like unconsciously about something in the negative, something that I'm worried about, especially, I immediately know I have to change that. That's right. Me too. Yeah. And, and I, I'll go, like, I'll go, I'll call somebody up that I know is positive. Like, I might call you up or I'll walk in, I'll find Melissa in the house somewhere yeah. and I'll be, you know, look, we just got to talk about something else. Yeah. And, and I have to change where I'm at emotionally into a better place. Now we could do that a million ways and the book talks about it. We can listen to music, we can go for a yeah. walk in nature, whatever it may be. There's lots of ways that we can change that. Uh, it's a lot easier than it sounds, but it's about being conscious. Well, I was going to say, I mean, that's, 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 that's evolution, right? I do the exact same thing. I know if I get up and I stub my toe and I'm like, damn, and all of a sudden I go into the bathroom and I go to brush my teeth and I'm out of toothpaste and I forgot to buy some and I'm like, oh, I can't believe... I know by like the third thing, you better stop and do something to shift your energy or your whole day's going in this direction. Yeah. And it's that self-awareness that makes a huge difference. And I think that part of what happened as I started to use my mala as a more intentional practice after reading the book, I found myself wanting to go to that object, this mala, because, you know, I, I'm a big believer in energy. I live my life from an energetic perspective. Part of the reason I think the internet and email and all of that respond so quickly and effectively to our thinking is because it's energy, yeah. right? We're, we're talking about electricity and energy and it's, it's like a giant neural network and it just picks up on, I mean, in some ways we could, we could have a whole conversation about technology, right? And where right. we're like, how our outer technology, this, you know, hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of thousands of computers that are all networked together is just really an outpicturing of what's going on in the brain with the neural networks. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of the reason why we get such quick and effective mirroring back from electronics is because of the energy. What I want to say is that um, I found myself 
after doing the the practice both of gratitude with the mala beads and then with the retreat and everything, that if I was having those experiences of like going down the wrong track with negative thinking, I wanted to go to the mala. Like yeah. I would just go pick it up and I would just start like, what am I, you know, what am I grateful for? I, like I have one in my bathroom. <laughs> I have one next to the bed. Yeah. You know, you just sort of, I mean, that's one of the things I really loved about the book is it gives you a very practical way. It gives you a practical method for repro- reprogramming your thinking. And then it also inspires you with, you know, what, based on what happens with the story, how his life turns around. Yeah, I, exactly. And it, it teaches you that. Um, two things I'll just add to that is I think one of the reasons the internet and email and stuff like that works so well is because energy is is spaceless. It's limitless uh, in terms of space and time. But, you know, the great thing is if I'm putting something out there and somebody from, you know, England or Australia then emails me based on it. It it, it shows us yes. th- the power of energy to just reach somebody across the world, right? But getting back to the mala and, and the the story, w- one of the great things that people are going to enjoy about the main character, Robbie, is I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to him. And Robbie, in a sense, it's not word for word, obviously, but you know, I'm Robbie. And so when I first found my mala, wherever I was emotionally, intellectually, energetically back in 2005, that's, that's Robbie, you know, in this story. And, and I can be stubborn and I can be, no, yeah. Really? I don't. No way. I don't know. Someone might have said that once. <laughs> I can't imagine them saying that. And I can be skeptical. Skeptical. That's good. Skeptical. I should oh. stop drinking when I do these sh- shows. No, I'm just kidding. I'm drinking coffee. Yes. I I could be skeptical, and and my audience knows that. And but but that's the thing is, you know, Robbie was down on his luck. I mean, that's the whole point. He's down on his luck. And it's times like that when all of us open our minds yeah. to new possibilities because we go, I might be skeptical about this, but my way is not working. Right, right. So I'm open-minded to anything. Well, new. and I think about, you know, you've created a whole body of work based on your skepticism. Yeah. You know, right. and I think just the fact that we're in human bodies just invites skepticism. You know, I remember yeah. I remember once having a conversation with Brian Weiss, who's also a big fan of yours. And I remember him saying, to, you know, I remember saying to him, so Brian, like, do you really never think, never worry about death anymore? He's like, are you kidding me? I'm a human being. And as much as I do this work and I believe we live many lifetimes, I forget too. And I have to be reminded. We're all skeptical about yeah. certain things. And, and my energy someday, I, I tell Melissa, my inner Robbie is coming out, you know, and Melissa like kind of looks at me cross-eyed, like, do you realize what you just said? You know, do you realize what you're doing here? And I'll go, oh, my, that was my inner Robbie. I'm sorry. And I'll get back on <laughs> I track. That. I love yeah. that. Yeah. We got a whole new lingo thanks to this thanks yeah. to this book. But, you know, the point of the book is not that I'm the wise person. I'm not. I'm Robbie. Right. You know, I have some wisdom that I've learned. And it's going to be the rest of my life where I'm trying to integrate the wisdom that I know into what I actually live and do. Well, and I think that's why, I mean, it's one of the first things I said to you after I read after I read the book, I said to you, oh my God, I mean, you know, I'm pretty wise. I've been around a long time. I've studied, I've read plenty of books and I really, I know without a shadow of a doubt that my thinking influences my physical reality. So, I mean, I, this I live and breathe this stuff yeah. and I forget too, and I'm skeptical too. And that's why when I read the book, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I've got to like pick up my malas and get back into business. I wanted to ask you, like, do you remember how you came across your first mala in 2005? I was wondering. 
Um, Melissa bought it for me. We have a friend who's who's a good friend of mine now, but I didn't know her at the time. And she was doing like this this thing at home where um, she had bought this CD set by somebody. And I know, I know it was from sounds true. And and it was all about working with the mala. It was all about mala beans and working with the mala. And so she had a quite a, quite a good group of people who were meeting once a week and they were just listening to these CDs and then talking about them together. And I was invited, but you know, it just wasn't my thing. I wasn't interested, but because Melissa was going through this and then she was telling me all about what she was learning, she actually bought me my first mala beads. Oh, okay. You know, what kind of beads were they? You know? <laughs> yeah, they were the lapis lazuli, oh, they were, yeah. which is the same as Robbie. And, yeah. and I still have it to this day. Well, actually, I have my second version of them yeah. because uh, my first one broke. And the beads went everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. in the woods with Libby. And, oh, really? You know, I got some of them, but I didn't didn't get them all. So she bought me my second set. Same yeah. exact thing. But, yeah. but that was how I got started. Thanks to Melissa, she taught me how to use them. Yeah. And I think this happens with a lot of things. But And I think it's based in religion, to be honest with you. But there's this sort of thing where you can you can do a 40-day practice. Yes. You know, I, I think there's a 40-day religious, you know, roots to, to that whole 40-day practice. It was fine with me. Great. I'll, I'll, so I started this 40 day practice, much like you described, did it in the morning and did it in the night. In those first 40 days, my life turned right around like 180 degrees. I was facing in a different direction by the time. And I, I just never stopped. I still have not stopped to this day. You know, I'm just remembering, I think the first set of mala beads I ever received was when I was in my early twenties. Wow. And no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Bob. Hold on while I just slip my wrists, okay? Oh, my God, no. No, uh, it was in my early 20s, many, many decades ago. <laughs> that's right, that's right. The and old days. In the old days, back in the old, the ancient days. Now, um, my brother was dating this. Adam? Was it Adam? Eve? No, no, oh never mind. No, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, hold on. Everybody's going to hear this. There, I'm, just, I'm throwing something at him. No, my brother was dating, uh, was seeing this. He had a girlfriend. My younger brother, Bob, was, had a girlfriend whose um, family had gone to India. I forget why they had some, it might have been a business trip for her dad. He worked for a company that they traveled around the world. And she, when she came back, she brought me a prayer rug and a set of those wooden sandalwood. Mala beads, and I loved the smell of them. I just remember I kept them with me all the time. I didn't know what the hell they were. I didn't know what you were supposed to do with them. I knew they were prayer beads. Yeah. Um, excuse me. And I just kept them around me all the time, and I just loved the smell of them. And I, I actually still have them somewhere. Do you really? Yeah, I'm sure I do. And and since then, I've, I have, you know, I like to give mala beads as gifts. Debbie Ford used to give me. I have a set of beads from her that she gave me that I love, that I keep with me. and um, Anyway, it's you never forget you know, your first mala beads. You never forget, yeah. <laughs> Even when it is back in the ancient days, exactly. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Um, yeah. So anyway, I was thinking too when we were talking about the book. You know, I have this little practice before I give speeches, especially if I'm nervous in any way. I've learned that the quickest way to overcome my nervousness about teaching or speaking, especially, you know, even like if I'm doing media Mm. or doing an interview and I'm feeling anxiety, which, you know, I always do. I mean, I just think Mm. it's normal. Um, I like to remind myself to take the focus off of me and put it on the people who are listening. And I specifically in my head, imagine the life scenarios that are going on in the audience that I'm going to be able to support. So for example, if I'm 
giving a speech about, you know, taking time for your life, let's say, uh, then I will think about, I, I will know that there, there are people in the audience who are juggling raising kids full-time job and dealing, you know, trying to support an aging parent or a sick loved one. Or uh, I'll imagine a business owner who's like literally suffering under the stress of success or somebody who's out of work and is desperate to find a job. And, you know, so, so suddenly I can really get into that empathic, compassionate place of, oh, this isn't about me and my nervousness. I'm here to serve. Yeah. And something I say is going to make a difference in the lives of at least you know, my prayer is always, please let me touch the life of at least one person in the audience so that they're changed forever and that life gets better for them. Yeah. So I think about um, the people who would be reading this, you know, before they would read it. And mm. I just, you know, I think about like, who, what are some of the scenarios? Because I know with your book, Answers About the Afterlife, I mean, I know just from giving that book out when people are grieving the way it just touches people's lives. And really powerful ways. Like people are like, Oh my God, I'm hanging on to this thing day and night because my son killed himself or my dad died. And I don't know. I'm trying to make sense out of this. Yeah. And so I wonder about who you think about, you know, when you're, I know you say that Robbie was you and you understand Robbie, but I wonder about who you thought about when you were writing it or when you finished it. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, the magic model teaches is that this isn't just about material gain, you know, um, this is about, this is going to be about health. It, it can be about relationships. It, it can be about self-love. It can be about so many different things, but, but the great thing about material gain or, you know, it just break it down to money yeah. is that first of all, there's a lot of people who could use more money in their life, but if you can use what's taught in this book to, to turn that around for yourself, then you recognize, because it's one of the easiest things to actually do, yeah. as, as hard as that may sound. So. I was going to say, there's people listening going, oh, really? Easy yeah, for no, you right. to say, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you just give it a try, it's you true, know, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah. Do a 40-day practice, you know, do it twice a day, and then, and then you see. And, and you might not have, I certainly didn't after the 40 days. I didn't, I, I didn't master it, but it's, I, I had such, such great extraordinary success with it that I knew I was going to do it again. Yeah. I think I immediately started another 40 day practice. I would have. <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't, right? Yeah, right. But once, once you get to the point where you recognize you can do this for money to bring more abundance into your life, whatever that may look like or whatever, however you want that to look, once you can do it with that, then you can do it for your health. You can do it to, to attract, you know, new romance into your life or to improve the relationships between you and your siblings or family members or spouse or whoever that may be. There's so many, so many benefits because all it is is about thinking about how we would like something to improve in our life yeah. and, and then focusing on that it's in a very positive way. This is how I want it to look. And that's us telling I'll just use the the phrase, the universe. That's us telling the universe, this is how I would like it to look. Mm. And we do that for 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening for 40 days. And, and just tell me you don't have more tomatoes showing up, yeah. you know, beside your car. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what happens. So, but I use monetary as a great way to start for people because it's a litmus test. Well, for you. and you know, when you think of like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Oh. We all start someplace and you know, money is what helps us to put food in our mouths and 
yeah. a roof over our heads. And yeah. so when you're really struggling, and God knows I, I remember what that was like, and I know you do too. And so it, it is a great way to begin. Um, and ultimately, you know, what I hear you saying is the bigger picture is it's really about taking charge of your mind, beginning to manage your own mind instead of allowing this thing up here in our brain, you know, or wherever it is, but, you Ooh. know, instead of allowing the brain to run our lives, we take charge of our lives and we start determining. And it, it influences everything. I mean, we now know, I mean, gosh, look at the research that's coming out about gratitude and yeah. the way it supports the immune system and it floods the body with feel-good chemicals. It lowers cortisol in the body. I mean, it does really powerful, phys- makes powerful, positive physiological changes in and of itself. And so that's like, to me, the bigger picture here is, oh, I'm not going to be a victim to a mindless, ranting, crazy person in my head. I'm actually going to take charge of this creative force I have. And I'm going to, and one of the ways I'm going to do it is by being inspired and using the mala as a form of practice. It gives us more, it gives us a, a, a sense of control, but I think it's, it actually gives us some control over oh, our world. I agree. Maybe not the world, our world, yeah. our experience in the world. I'll tell you a quick story about that. Melissa and I went to see one of our nephews uh, play hockey. It was about an hour and a half, two hours away. So we decided to stay overnight and we stayed overnight where all the young hockey players, he was 10, all 11, maybe now, um, all the young hockey players were staying in this hotel. Anyways, we showed up and, and we do practice this stuff on a daily basis. So, and, and it showed in that weekend. And, and that's the example I'm trying to give. We go there and all kinds of chaos broke out in this hotel <laughs> overnight. There were, the kids were playing, uh, having fun, and they were disturbing people. And uh, a lot of the people who were there, not for the hockey, were upset and they were complaining. And then this one particular man came out. I only hear about these stories, but he came out and he was really upset and he went downstairs and he started screaming and yelling at the, at the parents. And then he wanted, he wanted to blame the coach somehow it was his fault now. And he went after the coach and, and it became this big problem, this big thing. So Melissa Melissa and I wake up the next morning and our nephew comes in and he's telling us all these stories mm-hmm. and we verified them with his mother and they're all true. Melissa and I, our entire experience was awesome. We had a great time at this hotel. Say, first of all, I can't believe you chose that hotel to stay at. It would have been like, <laughs> oh my Lord. So but you had a different experience. So yeah. you can live in chaos, yeah. but or amongst chaos, but it doesn't have to be part of your life. Right. So this is sort of an underlying theme to, to taking control over your life in the ways that we've been talking this yeah. whole time is that there can be control, there can be chaos in the world and it doesn't actually have to be your experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can live in your own little world, literally. Yeah. And chaos can be all around you, but everything can be peaceful and what's the word flowing. Yeah and beautiful in your little world. Yeah. And part of it has to do with, I believe that when we change our energy in the way that we've been talking, I believe that it's it, it insulates us from these other yeah. things because we're, Melissa and I were so close to the chaos, yeah. but we weren't a part of it because our energy was vibrating at a different frequency. Yeah. Uh, now, 
if it had caught me on a different day, I might have. That's I'm not right. saying I'm not like this every day, but that particular <laughs> weekend we were we were feeling you were great. in the flow. We were in the flow, yeah, yeah. and that was is a great example of how this works. So the magic model and everything that it teaches is a, a way of us to try to take control over our lives to make it uh, a more beautiful existence. Well, I am so excited for you, and I'm really excited for people too to be able to. Um, you know, to be able to be inspired by the story, pick up a set of malas. Are you going to be having malas on your website? Or I know you had talked about that at one point. Yes, uh, on bobolson.com. We actually, we have a couple places. We'll add more. We have a couple places now so where, find- yeah, oh, where we're leading people to, to buy some malas. And, and, uh, and we'll, as the list grows, we'll just add them. I mean, you're not going to make them? <laughs> I wanted to. I know. I, was I like, really did want fuck? to. Maybe I will sometime. But I there was it. so much. There was so much to do to get this book yeah, out there. Right now, I, I still have a course that I wanted to be done. For you know, look, uh, one guy Mr. can Ambition. only do so much. Oh my God, I know. It's like <laughs> I wanted people to be able to extend their information uh, from the book and be able to learn more about these things. Yeah. And 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 so I created the Magic Mala course. But same thing. It's not done yet. Yeah. It will be very yeah. soon. This is just one of the experiences I'm having. Like we have an audiobook coming out. And yeah. again, it's not going to be available when all the other versions of the book are available. Well, that's okay. You know, there's an old saying somebody told me many, many years ago when I was trying to get one of my books done. And they said, you know, a book has its own birth date. Yeah. And you can't get in the way of that. All no. you need to do is just put one foot in front of the other, keep writing, editing, doing whatever you need to do. And when the book is supposed to be out in the world, it'll be out in the world. And I know what it was. My my first book's pub date got pushed. Ah. It was supposed to be published in like October and it got pushed to January. And I was so upset. And yeah. it was my mother. I called my mother. Wow. I'm just remembering this. My mother's really intuitive. And I called her and I was upset. It was my first book. You know, I was all planned for it to come out in, in the fall and- and I was saying to her, you know, I can't believe it. They've pushed the book to January. And she said to me, Cheryl, January is when this book is supposed to come out. And I said, well, how do you know? <laughs> and she said, I just know. And you need to stop, you know, stop whining and crying about this change. I mean, have your feelings about it, but you got about 10 minutes. And then you need to get on board and recognize yeah. every book has its birth date. And your book's birth date is January. And she was absolutely right on. Wow. And so, you know, you'll get the course done when you're, but I think it's great. So are you going to like create a course where people can start with certain needs that they have and then use the process to, and kind of. Yeah. It's, it's a toolbox in itself, but it takes everything very slowly, breaks it down and, and, and gives people more tools. And, uh, and so by the time they finish with it, they'll know how they can master it for themselves. And they'll be able to see some measurable results in their own life because they'll be practicing it. Yeah. Yeah, That'll be fun. It'll be also, that's an interesting way for you to begin to document some of those, um, what did you call it? Magic Magic Mala Mala moments. moments. Yeah. To document some of those stories. (laughs) That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, I look forward to hearing it. And and I hope anybody will email us or comment, you know, and let us know about their Magic Mala moments after they, after they uh, read the book. Yeah. Cause I love how you're doing now on the afterlife TV podcast. Yeah. I've been listening to those. Have you? See how I listen to um, you. See, I know it's funny. We're like family. So it's, yeah. you're sort of surprised. Like, really? You're listening to <laughs> yeah, me? That's right. Well, but yeah. And I love Melissa. Yeah. Melissa, Isn't I love she that she's great... doing, she's a great addition with you. I love the two of you have great chemistry together. Obviously you've been married a long time, Yeah. yeah. but I love those stories about what happens, you know, how people, connect with their loved ones after they pass. So 
comforting and inspiring. And yeah, it's just, really nice to be yeah. able to share our audience with the audience, you yeah, know, like yeah, it's yeah. a big family and they have such amazing experiences. So, oh, well, this will be a nice next phase of, you know, yeah. the magic mala moments. I'll look forward to hearing those because they do inspire you. Well, yeah, you know, right. They just make you like take seriously this creative power that we have. So. Yeah. Now you have a book coming out too. You want to talk about it? Oh no! No, you don't. <laughs> no. I do at the end of the year. Yeah. Ooh, I didn't know you were going to ask me. I'm that. sorry. I know. Well, you know why? Because I'm. It's literally tomorrow. Today's Sunday. Tomorrow, I'm getting the page proofs. You know. You know what? Oh, you yeah. get the page yeah. proofs. Yeah. It's the last time you have a chance to change anything, and you can only change words. You really can't change sentences yeah. when it's at that stage. And um, yeah, it's called it's called Waking Up in Winter. Yeah, Bob sees oh. me cringing. Waking Up in Winter in Search of What Really Matters at Midlife. I and love um that. thank you. And yeah, I'm I'm really nervous about it because it's a very it's not a self-help book. It's a it's a journal. It's a so journal. it's yeah, so it's very it's, personal. It's very personal. Intimate. It's, it's like, okay, don't don't make me more nervous. <laughs> it's um yeah, it's uh, it's like a memoir, but it's yeah. it's a real journal of um a period of time from after Debbie Ford died. My friend Debbie died. And um, so I started it in September and finished it on the first day of spring the following year. And it turned out to be a really pivotal time in my life where I was rethinking everything, you know, my life, my marriage, my work. Um, I think it was, I was embarking on a hero's journey without realizing it until I got to the end of the journal, as journaling often does, is it kind of reveals to you who you've become and what you needed to learn along the way. And so I just decided that um, rather than write another self-help book, I really feel like I've written all I need to write about creating a good life and practicing good self-care. Yeah. Um, instead, I wanted people to, I wanted people to just see what happens when you start listening to your life and you start writing about, you start documenting what's going on and you use the daily living of life as a process for change and evolution. And, you know, who knows? I mean, it's, it's a departure. It's a risk. It's what I knew I needed to do this time as an artist. This was the kind of art I wanted to put out in the world. I wanted to take my writing to a stronger level, a more artistic level. Yeah. Still accessible because that's so important to me. But, um, right. and, you know, and God bless my husband because, you know, Michael, because I talk about our relationships, some challenges we came up against. I talk about our sex life. I mean, Oh my God, I just oh, wow. can't. I know, I can't imagine. <laughs> I, know. I said to him, what are we going to do when your parents read this book or my parents? I mean, my, well, my dad's passed now. and um, But you know what? It's like, what the hell? At this point in my life, I got to do, I got to be true to the art. Yeah. And I'll just. Well, handle. people appreciate that. You know, yeah. I, I always think if, you, if, if you're not scared when you're putting a book out, yeah. then there's something wrong with it. Oh, you, you weren't honest enough. So yeah, well, you're, I, you're apparently very scared. <laughs> and <laughs> just, apparently very honest. Uh, <laughs> and the question is whether it was too honest or not. No, no. So. People appreciate that. Readers no. appreciate it. I do. I know. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait for that. So maybe we can have a long conversation about your book when it comes out. Uh, maybe. With... <laughs> <laughs> I know, because you haven't read it yet either. No, you get... stopped me. I You're did. like, I'm, I'm editing it. Stop reading and I'll give it back. And you never gave it I know, back. So. I know, I'm sorry. But you'll get it soon. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. And I'd love to have a conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we can do that. We can yeah. do that. Can you see me turning red right yeah, now? Yeah, you're right. This You're all crazy. She's beat red right now, everybody. It's, it's really All yeah. right, let's stop talking about okay. me. Okay. So listen. Congratulations on this book. I'm Thank so you. excited for you. And I hope everybody picks up a copy of The Magic Mala and not only reads it and feels inspired and hopeful and comforted by its message, 
But more importantly, I hope you actually do what, what Robbie does in the book, um, what Robbie and his wife do in the book, so that you can experience the change in your life too. Because it'll happen, I have no doubt. Well, thanks for sharing this with me. I really appreciate this it and fun. talking I'm about so it. Glad we did this. Yeah, me too. And everybody, if you're interested, you can go to bobolson.com. Spell it Olson any way you want. It'll get there. Bobolson.com, or you can go to Amazon, paperback Kindle, Barnes and Noble, paperback uh, Nook, uh, iBooks, and Kobo. I, I think a lot of people in Canada go to Kobo. Yeah, so Kobo.com. Yeah. So anyways, it's all on bobolson.com. The links will be there. Thank you so much for listening and sharing this with me. I appreciate all of you. Appreciate you, Cheryl. Thank you, Bob. I love you. Love you. Yeah. Bye now. <laughs>